May I speak in the name of God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know if any of you remember watching some of the Harry Enfield programmes with Kevin the Teenager. It's so unfair. <laughs> My daughter Bridget is 13 and she's been in that mood for several years, to be honest. But it's so unfair. That's Jonah, really, isn't it? It's so unfair. God said to Jonah, go to tell the people in Nineveh, sort yourselves out when you're in trouble. And Jonah says, no, I don't want to do that. They might change what they're doing. But eventually he gives in. He goes to the people of Nineveh, they listen, they turn their lives around. And what's Jonah's response to God? See, I told you that happened. Surely that's a good thing. They've turned their lives around, they're reconciled with God. But no, to Jonah, that's so unfair. They deserve to be punished for what they've done, and you've let them off the hook. So unfair. And then we move on to this almost comical thing with a bush. It's scorching heat. God allows a bush to come up, shading him. Isn't life wonderful? Then God says, now, Jeep, tough. You're going to learn something from this, you know? The bush goes, it's so unfair. I don't want to die just because that bush has not gone. What? What's all this about? That bush, you did nothing to create it. It was there for five minutes, if that, and you're so upset about the bush perishing. But you don't care about the people of Nineveh. God said, but actually, look, I should be worried about them. They matter in my eyes, and I'm glad, I rejoice that they've turned their lives around because I love them, I care about them. But that's so unfair, we just want people to be punished, don't we, for doing what's wrong. Lock them up, throw away the key, seems to be the theme. With the news this week about Russell Brand. Actually, I don't know what to think there, to be honest, because we have this, well, if he's done wrong, he would deserve to be punished, but then, well, else do people deserve redemption? Forgiveness if they say, you know what, we've messed up, I'm sorry. But we want them to suffer for what they've done. That's a human reaction, but as I said, I don't quite know how we should react sometimes. You can't be let off the hook. At the same time, God does forgive. But don't mean there's no repercussions for it. And in the Gospel reading, a passage we know so well, I'm sure, it's a parable, it's a story behind it, it's not a factual thing of what's happened. It's what we understand behind it, almost like the fairy tales in some ways, there's a message behind. There's the workers employed first thing in the morning, a bit later, at lunchtime, mid-afternoon and later on. At the start they're told, come and work for me, you'll get paid the full rate. Later on, you don't hear a promise of what they're going to be paid, just you'll, you'll receive something. But those employed with an hour to go, why were they still there with an hour to go? I wonder. Anyone like doing PE when they're at school? I didn't. I was that one picked last. Why was I picked last? 
because I was pretty much useless at PE. This is, a, this is assuming that I hadn't persuaded my mum to write me a note to get out of PE as I normally did. I'm so good at PE that once I was sitting down putting on my pants ready to bat in cricket when I got hit on the head by the cricket ball. That's how good I am at it. Why was I ever picked last? Because no one wanted me on their team. And I can't blame them. So why were those stragglers still sitting there doing nothing all day? Because they weren't very good workers. They wouldn't have done very much. Don't want to say they're hopeless, but probably not far off. But even then, at the last, they are employed and then, you know, it's the end of the day, the payment comes. Those who are employed all day get paid what they think. Great, I think have what I want, then they look, wait a minute. Those lazy layabouts who have been doing nothing, I have to be careful what I phrase then, they've been doing nothing all day, then they get paid the same as us. That's not, that's so unfair, given the teenager mode. How can they get that? They don't deserve that. We deserve that. You know, we've worked hard, look at us. But then, no. Maybe give them a cup of lukewarm water or something, I suppose, but they don't deserve any more. And they should be grateful for that, you know. They deserve nothing. We don't want their sort. They don't do anything. So unfair. We can relate to it, I'm sure. But of course, it's not speaking about payment. It's not speaking about wages. It's something beyond that. It's speaking about God's grace. It's speaking about salvation. It's speaking about God's love for us. Grace, crazy grace, irresponsible grace even. Irresponsible grace from God. And we hear the landowner said, I paid you what I promised, didn't I? It's not my fault that I'm generous and want to give to others as well. That's up to me with what I've got. Crazy. Would we do that? No idea, but I suspect not. On Thursday, I was celebrating the Eucharist here on the Feast of St. Matthew, and I warned those who were here I was effectively preaching the same sermon. Not quite the case. But Matthew, the tax collector, called by Jesus. We're not too keen on the tax man now, to be fair. But back then, it was even worse. They'd, they'd been taking an extra bit for themselves. Well, take a bit of money off people, might as well make it worthwhile and take a bit more. Jesus called him, follow me, he said. And then he ate with him, and other tax collectors and sinners we hear came to meet with Jesus, to eat with Jesus, gathered around the table, sharing fellowship. And there was outcry. Why are you going around with that sort of people? You know, they're, they're not very nice people. You should be with good people who have lived good lives all their life, who have earned the right to be near you, not their sort, you know. They might say they've turned their lives around, they might say they're sorry now, but well, what about all they've done before? Stay away from people like that. But Jesus ate with them, spent time with them, shared fellowship with them. And I'm reminded of Pope Francis saying, who am I to judge? Because Jesus came for us, 
normal, messed up human beings. Anyone here who's not normal and messed up? Well, probably none of us are normal. Doesn't normal ever exist? All of us, one way or another, are messed up. All of us do stupid things we shouldn't do, and quite often time and time again. All of us say, how could God possibly love someone like me because I've done this, that or the other? But Jesus came for us, each of us. We are loved by God, we are forgiven by God. Not because we've earned it, not because we've, been better, we've turned our lives around right at the start and then never done anything wrong again. No, it's not earned. It's freely given. In the parable of the landowner, where would we fit? Would we be those who are employed right at the start and live all our lives blamelessly working hard for the gospel? Would we be there somewhere in the middle? Or would we be those who are towards the end, you know, suddenly, oh, wait a minute, I should, I should do something, shouldn't I, before it's too late? And we're reminded here that God's love is on offer to all people in all stages of their lives, no matter what they've done or not done. I love one of the old confessions in the 1662 prayer book having ministered most of me ministry in the Church of England. We've done those things we ought not to have done. We've not done those things which we ought to have done. Those words resonate with me so, so well. We've done the things we shouldn't have, and we've not done the things we should have. Not just one part or the other, we've done it both ways. But no matter what, God loves us. God reaches out to us. We see that in that parable. We are called to follow. Yes, to turn our lives around, as Matthew did. It's not for us to judge others either in whatever stage of their life they're in. Yes, we support them, we help them, we encourage them to think about their lives, to turn to Jesus. But we don't say you're condemned, you're finished. God couldn't possibly forgive someone like you. Because actually, we see in the gospel he can. It's not for us to judge, as Jonah was reminded. And that is difficult. But we are all sinners in need of redemption. We are all called to repent, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, as the people of Nineveh were. And they did turn and repent. <coughs> but I wonder, do we always want people to repent, to always have the potential for redemption? Or with some people, do we think, well, we'd rather they didn't, you know, they, what they've done, well, no. A bit like Jonah was saying. Do we feel some people are beyond God's love? We are reminded of that in the Gospel. It's never too late, even at the last, for people to turn to Jesus, repent of their sins, and be forgiven. It doesn't mean there's not repercussions, it doesn't mean that the law system doesn't have to all work, but it does mean God can forgive, God can reconcile. And that seems unfair sometimes, 
it seems unjust. What about us who have lived better lives? But hey, it's not something which is earned. It's something which is freely given. It's not up to us. It is God reaching out in love to each and every person, if only they will respond. If only they will open that door, if you like, to let Jesus in. And so we are invited to accept God's love. We are invited to receive God's grace. We are invited to rejoice in salvation. We are invited to encourage and help others to do the same too. Because God is desperate for all people to respond to this invitation freely given. Unfair? Maybe by our standards. But let's be honest. At the same time, such a relief when we know that we have a habit of messing it up. Jesus came not for the righteous, but for sinners. Let us receive that love, that grace, that forgiveness, that salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.